Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the James Bond Complex, where we discuss, uh, analyze, and regale and everything from Fleming to film and everything in between. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Emery. I'm the other one of your hosts. My name is Edgar. The the two ECs are here today. That's right. Keep it at EC. <laughs> we got to come up with a better name for that, like EC or EC squared or something like that. But uh, anyway, because it's the 60th anniversary of our Lord James Bond, mm-hmm. we're gonna, we've been discussing, you know, the origins of Bond. And by the time this comes out, we've had um, a little commentary on the film Dr. No, mm-hmm. a very important film both visually for for Bond, setting the tone for a lot of things. But we also have to talk about the the music, because that was kind of, mm. that's an important part of James Bond. The James Bond theme is cured everywhere, and, and everyone has a little riff on it to, to try and copy <laughs> it. We know what it sounds like. But I think we got to kind of go into more details, because Monty Norman, unfortunately, passed away this year as well. And he is the one who created the Bond song, but... As you know, Edgar, that's that's not without controversy. It, just a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, I, I this recording was finally an excuse for me to crack open John Berlin Games, John without an H, uh, his The Music of James Bond, which was published about a decade ago at this time. It stops with uh, Another Way to Die, the theme song for Quantum of Solace. But if the first chapter, which is understandably the Dr. No chapter, is uh, a sneak peek of things to come for the rest of the book, it's a fantastic, fantastic book. And yeah, there are a good few pages dedicated to that uh, lawsuit, which uh, erupted in peculiar circumstances. We'll get there when we get there as the episode goes along, but I, I did not know where the controversy started from. Like, what prompted Monty Norman to say, wait a minute, you can't say that. I, I wasn't aware of, of what happened, but I learned it through a John Berlin game here. So it's an interesting story. Lots of controversy. It's a little odd because Monty Norman was, I mean, I know he was a he was into theater before and he was a theater producer. And um, I mean, the origins of the James Bond theme come from a song called um, Bad Sign, Good Sign from mm-hmm. A House for Mr. Bismus play that they were they were trying to produce and unsuccessfully or successfully. I mean, there are audio unsuccessfully, recordings. unsuccessfully. There are audio recordings of the song that exist. And yeah. I mean, you listen to it and that's the, the melody is there. The main melody is there. I was born with this unlucky sneeze And what is worse, I came into the world the wrong way round Pundits all agreed that I'm the reason why my father fell Into the village pond and drowned I was born under a bad sun. That's not what I would have used directly as James Bond. Oh, well, no, not Bond. that version of it, but it is quite striking how when you I, I listened to it this evening just before we pressed record and and because uh, I hadn't heard it in, in a little while. I also listened to Beat Girl and yeah, it sounds at the same time, it sounds nothing like the James Bond theme and also sounds exactly like the James exactly. Bond theme. Exactly. It's, it's like one of those. It's, it's it sounds like a bad Bollywood copy of it, but it's really kind of the reverse because <laughs> I mean. But anyway, like uh, like we were saying, Monty Norman was kind of hired originally to do the theme. He flew out there with his wife at the time, Diane Copland, who mm. sings one of the many versions of "Underneath the Mango Tree" that are on yeah. the. And I, I think we need to make the difference too. There, there's the movie score itself. There's the music that appears in the film. Mm-hmm. But the album that came out a year or two later, uh, I think it came out in 63, mm. has tracks on it that were meant for the movie, but not used. So there are some Monty Norman tracks on there, but there are some John Barry compositions that are on there that didn't make it into the film, but mm-hmm. somehow made it into other recordings because maybe we'll get to that later. But there's certain tracks that appear on other discs that I own that I didn't weren't aware, wasn't aware that weren't necessarily in the movie until much later on. Uh, yeah, well, I, I limited myself to rewatching the film, taking notes of some scenes which clearly featured music that was not on what's commonly referred to as the original motion picture soundtrack of, of Dr. No, 
and then subsequently listen to said original motion picture soundtrack. I didn't go as deep as you did, like listening to alternate albums or different recordings. Uh, so I'll let you take the lead if you want to broach any of those tracks. But even watching and and in in this case, for once, really listening to Dr. No, which I did a couple nights ago uh, at home, and then subsequently listening to the soundtrack, it's a little bit shocking you texted me something earlier today i want to say it was earlier today where you said it's like those 90s albums that they what says it's an album inspired by the movie <laughs> right and yeah. i remember those were really popular in like the late 90s 2000s i think i i bought the um i think it must have been around the time of the matrix or something like that and i bought the matrix oh. album and i'm like none of these songs are in the movie like this is just an album this is yeah. a compilation of and i had then i had picked up and this is this will show how old I am. I picked up an audio cassette of the, and I probably still have this, the original motion picture soundtrack of um, Mission Impossible, the first nice. one. Nice. So I have that on audio cassette, and I was disappointed that there wasn't more songs on it. Um, mm. And I remember that at a, at a young age. And then that that's what kind of reminded me when I was looking at the the track listing for the original or or the Doctor No soundtrack record that came out. It's almost all unused tracks there's only a few tracks that actually made it into mm. the movie and most of them are are unused and from what i've been reading monty norman and and his wife and some local artists did a lot of music for the for the movie and then you know cubby broccoli and and saltzman just said nope <laughs> uh we're gonna bring someone else in and that's where we get john barry i guess rearranging the score that we that this is where we're with the, the the monty norman kind of lawsuit I, I kind of feel it gets a little muffled because there's no other version than the John Barry version of that mm. composition. Like if Monty Norman did a version of it, I've never heard it other than the loose version of bad, good sign, good bad sign, sign. <laughs> which is anyway, that's, that's not it. But I mean, there's no argument as to the melody was there first, but mm -hmm. where's Monty Norman's version. If there's a John Barry version, cause a John Barry version with Vic flick on guitar, um, and his yeah. guitar tone and where his guitar tone goes throughout all the other, that's kind of where I, I try to figure out like, what did Monty Norman do? I mean, he's, he stakes claim <laughs> to the fact that it's his song, but the melody is there, but where's his version of it. That's different than John Barry's fantastic version. That's been used over and over and over and over again. And I mean, inarguably the, the, the James Bond theme song. And to, to Monty Norman's, credit so to speak he does say in fact he's quoted in the Burlingame book that you know john uh right monty norman is quoted as saying hey john barry did amazing work it is the it is the definitive orchestration of the james bond thing he's very careful with his words a little guy um as to your points uh, this is where i would encourage uh fans uh, if you're interested in music if you're interested in the music of bond to maybe pick up this book i think surely it's available on ebay and amazon the last few pages are dedicated to the court case i'm going to try to make this quickly as possible the highly charged widely pu publicized case finally reached the high court capital h capital c in march 2001 over seven days testimony was heard from norman Barry, Bert Rhodes, who used to work with Monty Norman back in the 60s to uh, produce music for his, uh, his theater, Vic Flick, your boy, musicologist Stanley Sadie, conductor Guy, or Guy, as we would say, Pruthro, and others. Norman said that the Sunday Times, and the Sunday Times is the article that uh, published in 1997 that started all this, had, quote, rubbished my career, end quote, and he felt that only by suing could he clear his name and reputation? The 60 bars of the James Bond theme were broken down and analyzed in depth, including discussion of the, quote, vamp, in brackets, the opening brass line, similar to that heard in the opening bars of Kurt Veil's Lonely House or Ortishaw's Nightmare. I'm not familiar with those tracks. Mm. The, the guitar riff, in brackets, the familiar guitar line, close brackets, and a pair of, quote, bebop phrases, brackets, the big band midsection. Sadie, so this is the musicologist, editor of the respected Grove Dictionary of Music and Musicians, concluded that Barry's arrangement was, quote, extreme, end quote, but that most of the tune derived from Norman's Bad Sign, Good Sign song. Extreme composition from Barry, 
but an extreme extreme composition primarily influenced from a piece Norman had already written. And we know how that course case is. Uh, we know how that lawsuit is settled. Norman is the composer of the James Bond theme as we know it. Just for the sake of argument, on the on the album, they discuss alternate James Bond themes, and they're all based around other stuff that Monty Norman worked on previous to John Barry doing work on it. Because there are three tracks in particular that are very, very similar, and they use the same melody. And it's Twisting with James, mm-hmm. which is very obviously a local Jamaican band playing it because it's 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 a full kind of reggae, yeah. you know, rock band. Doctor Knows Fantasy, which is mm. obviously, obviously, obviously John Barry's work with Vic Flick, because I can tell by the the way he's playing the guitar and just the kind of structure that Barry brings to it is is very in line with all his other works. And then the last one is the the one that they call the James Bond theme on the album itself, which is just my wife referred to as elevator music because it does kind of sound like you know you get that's what she said that's what she said then they use a completely different song and john barry orchestrates a completely different song Mm-hmm. based on something that Monty Norman has already worked on. Mm-hmm. I find it odd that he would just like, I don't know, I don't want to, I'm not going to rehash old wounds and that, but it just sounds really weird that they would, would did Monty Norman present bad sign, good sign as we can use this as the bond theme. And did he present a version of it that Barry heard and said, sure. And then he rearranged it as, as what it is now, because the melody is there. But if Monty Norman hadn't brought it to the table, would John Barry have had been aware of it? You know, I mean, having listened to Good Sign, Bad Sign earlier this evening, I mean, there's certainly no jazzy big band midsection in Good Sign, Bad Sign. So that's that strikes me as a Barryism. Uh, mm-hmm. The the counter melody, uh, the, the counter melody, which I, I think is when it goes like Darna. Uh, that that sounds like a little bit like Barry, um, but like even for as detailed as Birthing Games Doctor No chapter gets, um, even he doesn't reveal all that because he wasn't there. You know, there are these meetings between uh, Terence Young, Monty Norman, uh, John Barry in June of '62 because the studio recordings are coming up and they still don't have a bloody theme for this for this main character. And, you know, Mr. Biswas is brought up, or I should say good sign, bad sign is is brought up. And then it sort of gets all a little bit muddled, which is what makes this whole story fascinating. Uh, I, I think Berlin Game is trying to be as, as clear and as detailed whilst being as succinct as possible. And still the chapter mm-hmm. ends and it's like, well, it sounds like a little bit of everybody worked on this thing. So who knows? That, that's what it kind of feels like. I mean... I mean, there's a second lawsuit that that doesn't get brought up a lot. There's a couple of art, uh, of musicians from the D- Jamaican bands that mm, um, Monty Norman uh, brought in that apparently weren't paid. Monty Norman came in to Jamaica with his wife. She sang, from what I understand, the the version of "Underneath the Mango Tree" that's on the 50 Years of Bond double disc. Oh, is it? Is that the version that's on there? That's know. the version that's on there because that's the version that I've been playing around the house, and that's the version that my kids have been singing. So they every time there's a mango in the house, I'll always start singing underneath the mango. Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me come watch for the moon. So all my kids know underneath the mango tree, and they all agree that that's the better version of it. But that's Monty Norman's wife at the time, and they had brought in. Uh, well, of course, um, Chris Blackwell was the was the right. location scout, but he knew all the musicians around. So from what I read, they hooked Monty Norman up with the, some local mu- musicians and uh, the horn players didn't get paid or something like that. And there was a lawsuit in regards to that. And I mean, well, a lawsuit, they, they sued in, in Jamaica. Yeah, the, I think they were going for about a thousand dollars, according to the book. Again, I, I, I don't want to quote the book all night long here, but. 
But since we're talking about those elements, the book mentions that um, a couple people sued because apparently the original plan was, was for them to do more than just, oh, write, you know, write and play a few tunes. There was some supervision going on. There was some orchestration going on. And finally, none of that happened. They got paid a little bit eventually and they dropped the lawsuit, but not nearly as much as what they were seeking for. But Berlin Game doesn't go into depth about that. But I'm because I read the book, it sort of corroborates with a lot of what you're saying. That a few music, a few local, locally based musicians uh, were not nonplussed by uh, how they were treated uh, as the soundtrack was being worked on. And I assume that's kind of to be expected for for a movie that was a movie franchise that was in its very infancy. They didn't think that it was going to get past one movie. <laughs> they thought they were going to get that one and done. Uh, they had no budget. They showed up to Jamaica not knowing what they were doing really or where they were going or how they were doing it. And yeah. And then, but I mean, John Barry kind of saved the day with, with a lot of the soundtrack. I think it's, it's, it sounds the John Barry stuff sounds, I don't want to be down on Monty Norman, you know, God rest his soul, but I mean, the he wrote John, the theme after all, legally he, speaking, apparently. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like if you listen to the theme and what stands out was well, it's John Barry's orchestration, it's Vic mm-hmm. Flick's guitar playing. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I nerded out a little bit with, with Vic Flick because I've, I'd seen pictures of him before playing a Fender Stratocaster, and I'm like, well, that's that's obviously not what he's playing um, on the song. He's playing mm-hmm. a hollow body guitar or hollow body jazz guitar. And I'm like, well, what what guitar is that? And I finally Googled it. A super, super rare guitar that I had never heard of before. It's a Essex Paragon Deluxe. And it's a guitar that's super rare. It was a 1939 model. Um, it's probably one of the very, very, very early electric guitars and it just sounds, you can't mimic that sound. Like they've brought Vic Flick back a couple of times to re-record mm. the guitar parts because it's 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 just that, that twang at the end, that, mm-hmm. that last, that James Bond chord at the end. <laughs> it's so crisp and the, um, it's iconic, but it's obviously not Monty Norman. It's, it's, it's John Barry and what he brought to the table. Yeah, well, it's small wonder, I suppose, that it's John Barry who's brought on for subsequent films. Uh, plenty of them for that matter and not Monty Norman although Monty Norman is quoted as saying look I'm mostly a theater guy anyway so I, I, I'm not really complaining that they didn't bring me back yeah um, but certainly when you hear the music in the film which which we'll get into in a little bit of depth it's not that it's bad music it's I think it's it's good um, but the music is one of the elements of the films. Whenever I, I read or, or listen to a, a podcast, uh, and I can't quote names here, but I know if vaguely there, I know there are podcasts that said, you know, Dr. No almost feels more like a 50s film than it does a swing in 60s film. And I think the music, less so on the soundtrack, although maybe that's debatable, but in the film, the spider sequence, the climax at Dr. No's laboratory, hmm. Yeah, it sounds a lot more fifties than it does swing in sixties. And you were kind of we were kind of in like between different musical styles too that had been coming out. Like the the British invasion had kind of just started with mm-hmm. a little bit more of that that rock sound, and there was surf rock that was very popular in the United States. So there's there's some elements of that in there too. And yeah, it's it's kind of like a weird place musically because the, I mean the real kind of sixties vibe didn't come till till much later i think mm-hmm. john barry and, and later films reflect the the modern times or the the, the times of the films musically a little mm-hmm. bit better like i think of, of live and let die more specifically when they're in the club and uh, they've got the uh, the soul singer kind of singing version <laughs> yeah. of live and let die that's more like a a 70s kind of disco love that love that, love that. But yeah, I mean, John Barry is, uh, we're not the first people to say this, but, you know, John Barry is really the one that sent the music of Bond through the stratosphere, which which I guess puts Monty Norman in a bit of a funny place in the franchise. You know, the court case is settled. He wrote the theme. Fair enough. It is what it is. Let bygones be bygones. And then you listen to the music on the film and it sounds nothing like what the next handful of movies would sound like. He, he does have a curious place in 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 Bond history. Uh, he was a music th- he was a music theater writer. He wrote mostly melodies and songs, which is why he brought on Burt Rhodes to to con- uh, to write some more melodica, take right. his tunes and turn them into instrumentals because that really wasn't his thing. 
no I mean, musicals it's big beat and it's it's you know singing and it's yeah. you know there's there's not that many well there are many you know memorable memories uh melodies memorable melodies you got it uh, <laughs> but there's you know you, when you think musicals you think more of the songs themselves the lyrics themselves and that's mm. that's what you get into and that's what you remember and that's what you you sing back, but everyone knows the goes the the you know that melody is is iconic. I know. Well, I mean, the, 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 like you said, the, there are recordings of of good sign, bad sign. It's a funny song. It's it's um. Like, but it, but that's that's what m- my argument is that there must be another version of it that Monty Norman presented to John Barry and said probably didn't present it to John Barry, but he presented it to. Harry Saltzman and, and Covey Broccoli and said, mm. this is an idea because I don't know. I, don't, I guess they didn't really work together, Monty Norman and John Barry at all. So that's, it's kind of, did John um, Barry rip him off or was something already there that he just redid? You know, Monty Norman does have his, his place in the Bond franchise because I mean, most of his music or, or a good portion of his music did mm. make it into the film. Yeah, that's, it, it's true. And, you know, we talked about under the uh, mango tree and and Doctor No's fant, or rather, a uh, jump up and Kingston Calypso, uh, aka Three Blind Mice, and yeah, those are littered all over the film. I mean, we hear a little bit of um, let's play a little game here. What the Monty Norman singing under the mango tree? That's at Puss Feathers Bar in the daytime. In the daytime, yeah. yeah. At nighttime, it's Jump Up with uh, Byron Lee and the Dragonaires. Uh, you alluded to earlier that Diana Copeland um, is singing on the gramophone when Bond is waiting for Professor Dent at Miss Tarot's. And then the one that's not yeah. on the album is uh, what, Nikki, good old Nikki Vanderzil, always dutiful yeah, <laughs> alumni yeah. Nikki Vanderzil sings for uh, What's your face? <laughs> Ursula Andress, um, as she comes yes, out of the water. Yes, yes, yes. That's true. That's true. But I think as the audio quality as well isn't the same. I mean, the, the, the quality of image that you got in the 60s when you're recording to film is is one thing. And then you're you're producing it as film is one thing. Mm-hmm. The audio quality on that isn't great because um, you don't have multi-track you don't have well mm-hmm. you do have multi-track but this, then it gets just transferred over to stereo so you don't have the, mm-hmm. the richness of the sound where you can then you know the mix isn't as nice where you can kind of decipher all those tones and so i guess her singing voice kind of had to be dubbed too i mean what if you're gonna dub everything you know just dub her singing voice too but everyone gets a lot of actors and actresses get their singing voices dubbed anyway it's not it's not a big controversy it's Mm -hmm. sometimes i feel the music in the movie because it's fresh in my mind sometimes it's a little bit it's just quiet enough sometimes it's just loud enough and other times like in in the climax when Bond, everything starts blowing up and Bond is running away. You know, the siren is going on. Explosions are going on. We hear the telecast of the of the uh, rocket launch from Cape Canaveral. But there's like music. There's like the Monty Norman's music in the back. And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to listen to the track because I know I'm recording this darn episode in a couple of days, but I don't, yeah. I don't know what's playing. It's you like, you can't so tell what noise. music. Yeah, the, the, the music doesn't come through when it's not. It doesn't complement the rest of the sounds. Like it's, it's the sound engineers uh, didn't work with, with you know, the, the score. They, they don't, they didn't work together. It was just like, here's the music no. we recorded, put it in the background. And well, that's sad. I don't know if this was the point you're getting at, but again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. The damn book again that I read this week. I mean, you mentioned the sound editors and the editors didn't work with the music people. I, no kidding. Uh, both Monty Norman and John Barry were like, what the heck is going on here? Monty Norman, and, and again, to Monty Norman's defense, he he does love John Barry's orchestration. Mm. Uh, when he sees the, the title sequence, he's like, wait a minute, that's not how Barry's tune starts. Why are you starting it mid-tune? This makes no sense. Yeah. And when John Barry, who at this point, hey, I got paid. I, I puttered off to do my own thing, but he went to see the movie on opening weekend in London. Uh, and he's like, wait a second, my music's everywhere in this yeah. movie. I don't think I got paid well enough. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, wait a minute. But it's, it's, it's not like as if he sat down and then they watched the film and then they scored to the film. It's like, okay, well, here's the music we produced. 
let's just scatter it throughout the film. This is what we have. Mm. That's why I kind of feel like maybe there was a budget issue. Like they didn't have the time and budget constraints didn't allow them to sit down and score it properly. And also the fact that they, they had all that Monty Norman stuff and then they scrapped most of it. And then you, then, then they said, well, you know what? We've, we've got his stuff and we've got Barry's stuff and half mm. of it's in the movie and half of it's not let's release an album. And then we got an album mm. of all these extra tracks that didn't make it in. And, Arguably, some of them are better than what we actually heard in the movie. And I, I bring up the example of um, Dr. No's Fantasy, which is on the 50, 50th anniversary of Bond music CD that came out a couple of years ago uh, for Skyfall. That track just sounds so good. And it's, it's a buried track. It's not in the film. Well, the whole Dr. No original motion picture soundtrack is, 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 is a strange beast. And so much of it sounds so good. It's weird because I think it's really good music. In fact, I was, I was re-listening to it this evening as I was taking notes and doing some reading. And I mean, this is a MP3. No one's going to see this, but I was sort of, I was jiggling a little bit on yeah. my seat here. I was jiggling a little because it's really good music. Crack open and a red stripe and just vibing. Why yeah, I don't vibing, bro, vibing, bro. I was vibing as much as I could with sans, sans red stripe, but um, it's really good music. It's really funky music that gets gets you moving, uh, a la John Barry. And it's on the soundtrack. It is the official motion picture soundtrack, but it's not in the movie. So yeah, I, I have to imagine when you bought that 50th anniversary double disc set and you listen to something that's not on the movie. It's a it's a strange way to pay homage to the original film by selecting a track that's that doesn't not appear in said in film. And there's like two or three variations of that melody that, like I, I mentioned earlier, "Twisting with James" is another track on there, and um, I think it's the James Bond theme that, mm -hmm. that's named like one of the last tracks. Those are all variations of it, and none of them are there. But it's fantastic. It's it's Bond music. It's John Barry. It's 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 a great track. Um, you know, he's got some really great, like little just just some of the, the transition scenes where he he scores uh into Miami is another track from Goldfinger that I, I really mm -hmm. enjoy. It's a really mm -hmm. kind of great little transition between two scenes. It's jazzy, but it's that big band, it's well orchestrated. It's great. That's what I think of when I think of James Bond music, is is you know, the big band. The, the nice orchestration, the, mm. the the full effect, and music that made it into the movie is not. It's it's funny at the time of this record. By the time this episode comes out, the article will be out. But the time of this recording, I'm on the precipice of of uh, doing a little project for a website I write for, and you know the 60th anniversary of Doctor mm. Who is coming up, and I. Matt, not too long ago, said he wanted to record an episode about the little details in Dr. No that sort of make James Bond what he is. And that gave me the idea of doing the complete opposite for this article. Like, I'm, on, I'm going to write an article about the things that like never show up again and make Dr. No a little bit different. And I will I will be broaching the music in the film. And we said it earlier. It sounds like 50s music. Or I quoted other people that said it sounds like 50s music. But I don't, yeah. I don't entirely disagree with them either. Um no, it's it's not current. It doesn't follow the, the the trends of the time. I mean, every other film kind of started to fill, follow you know trends. Uh, the seventies especially followed a lot of of trends, both musically and otherwise. Um, but I mean, after that, I mean, even David Arnold was doing stuff that was more current with with the music. Mm -hmm. Still doing big orchestration, and I mean, David Arnold, arguably the two best scorers who've, who've touched bond have been john barry and david arnold They're, they've done tremendous work for the franchise in terms of the sound let's let's talk a little bit about these tracks like i guess did you did you get a chance to rewatch the film this week and, and pay attention to the music uh no i didn't actually get a chance to rewatch so i know okay. that's fresher in your mind than it is for me okay well, well, just um, from what you can remember, uh, mm -hmm. no, no, no pressure. Uh, are there any tracks in the film that are not on the album as we know it? Are there any tracks in the film that 
strike you or have 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 there have there never been any tracks in the film that struck you i i never liked three blind mice in the movie um that kind of for me was was it was odd because it was it was like a dramatic you know something was coming like they didn't there was no setup to to what was coming and it's just this you know bright happy song mm. and yeah i mean it could have been done it's a bright, differently. It's a bright happy day it looks like a bright bright happy day well, i mean it's, it's beautiful sunny jamaica but at the same time like there there could have been a transition that the, the mood of the song could have shifted i mean they could have started off a certain way and then shifted into something else as as you know other tracks have done um i, I was not really necessarily a fan of of any of the, the the music coming into where he gets into meeting Dr. No and all that. And, and there's a, there's mm-hmm. actually a lot of lack of music too, or a lack of a score in a lot of scenes where there's just like, there's fighting going on and there's nothing in the background. Like it's, you're just hearing bad sound effects. And, and I don't, <laughs> I don't remember that. The, was there music for the tank scene? Uh, no, there's no uh, what 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 tank? You mean the dragon? The dragon tank or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, there's there's it's, it's it's that it's it's more not necessarily the tracks that were in the movie that that really stood out for me. It was the lack of of music or orchestration or anything other than like long silences and then like harsh sound effects. Well, back in those days, and this is where where Barry sort of changes the game a little bit. Not not that he's the sole composer to have done this in cinema, but back in those, I am a big, and you're you're a pretty big film buff yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do like going back into the past. I do like my film noir of the '40s and my mysteries of the '50s and so on and so forth. And and again, this idea that Doctor No almost feels like it still has one foot in the previous decade. That's how a lot of movies were done back in the day. You had long dialogue sequences or people riding their cars with brilliant back projection, just the most beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's no music in those scenes. Um, that that was, I find it's a, it's a sign of the times, the irony being it's the first film in a series that we're still talking about 60, days, 60 years later and just got a movie a few months ago, a year ago. A year ago. Um, but yeah, I would say that the lack of music in a number, a great number of scenes, I, I don't know if that's Monty Norman not working enough on the film. Could be, but I, I suspect it's maybe it's a little bit of half and half. Monty Norman didn't produce enough content that the producers liked, and that's kind of how they made movies back then. I think it's it's a it's a good mix of i think it's a kind of a half and half like i think they they hired the wrong guy to orchestrate a film or they gave a shot to a guy to orchestrate a film that had never really had experience orchestrating a film and then they found the guy who could orchestrate a film and was too late and they, they didn't use any i mean the music editing in there is is but i mean i i agree it's it's it's, it's kind of with the times because we didn't get like the big music scores until like the seventies and eighties where they kind of started having more significant scoring in, in films where it, the music really set the tone. A lot of the films from the sixties and, you know, even the, 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 the kind of film noir um, era and all that little bit of music, but not orchestrating the mood that we're used to seeing. Mm. now. In fact, on and often, this is not a film noir episode, but in a lot of those movies, what music there is is because the protagonist goes to a lounge and hears like a hot lady singing, belting out a tune. You know, there, there's music there. There's it wasn't it wasn't scored. I mean, silent movies were scored before, and there's a lot of like classic film that was that you know it mm. only exists because of the score. And the score went hand in hand. I mean, I remember from my film classes, they just kind of drilled, you know, the movies into you, which ones that you needed to to watch. And they all had like a, a film score to it. And then you kind of had this period where there's not that much and there's a lot of dialogue and it's. But I mean, then you think of the, the 70s and 80s and, you know, Indiana Jones had an amazing score. Uh, the, oh, the Star Wars movies had Star great Wars. scores. Um, just keep then, on naming John Williams scores. Just keep on naming them. <laughs> I, I just kind of realized, wait, wait, those were both John Williams. Uh, but I mean, even even the Mission Impossible, like we were talking about it off off mic before. The Mission Impossible had a had a pretty uh, decent score. That was Danny mm. Elfman who did that score, mm, that's and very uh, good score. So we you kind of started getting 
and I don't know if it be it's because of Barry did such a good job in later films, or that was kind of what the the the, the new tendency was in the sixties. I think Doctor No was just maybe a year or two shy from come getting into a wave of 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 good music, and they just kind of like hit a, a little patch of bad luck with with Monty Norman's original stuff, and then they said, "Well, shit, we don't." Pardon my language. Shoot, we cool. don't have enough time to to turn around and you know start all yeah. over. Let's just get someone in to kind of fill in the gaps and then yeah. not put music well, over anything. It's important to remember that uh, Cubby had, or at the time, at least in '61, was producing uh, a little bit of Norman's uh, London theater work, so th- they did know each other. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember who suggested Barry. It might have been the guy at uh, United Artists Music, Noel Rogers. I I, I might be getting that wrong, but uh, it was somebody else who who worked for the studio who suggested Barry. But but I I do think it's you know it's one of those things where you rub shoulders with people in 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 Hollywood and you do it often enough and well enough that you you do get a job. So. Yeah, I mean, the Eon hires somebody who doesn't really do film scores. He may have done one prior to Doctor No, um, but it's not his his forte. Hence, the inclusion of Burt Rhodes, who I was I, when I watched, but I was I was looking for Burt Rhodes, and his his name's in there. It's in the credits. So, but yeah. the reason why Burt Rhodes is on board is because Norman himself is like, man, I write tunes. Like, I can't. I'm, I can't, I don't know how yeah. to score this. It wasn't his it, it was on Cubby because he was the one who chose him and he said, I'm gonna give you, you know, I'm gonna give you this job and he, you know, kind of subcontracted a whole bunch of other people and, and tried to put something together. I mean there's tracks on there that are nice, but going back to the to what was used and what was unused, what would you have changed? Wait, what were songs that were on the soundtrack that didn't make it into the movie <laughs> that should have been in the movie or or what would you have swapped out? Well, I, I do like I have to say, I really get a kick out of uh, a couple of the ones you mentioned, Dr. No's theme, which is, I guess, not really Dr. No's theme, um, and Dr. No's fantasy. Yeah. I like anything with Dr. No in the title. <laughs> Dr. No's fantasy, I could see that playing. Like, like instead of the Monty Norman uh, rendition of underneath the mango tree that's i can sort of see that maybe playing on the speakers on the loudspeakers in puss feathers place during the daytime yeah uh, that was pretty good if if underneath the mango tree is not playing we're still at puss feathers but now at night if under uh no excuse me jump up if jump up um is not uh playing uh, i think twisting and t- twisting with james yeah uh could be playing yeah uh, that'd be a lot of fun and another one that came to mind uh, would be the spider sequence. Now, I kind of like the music in the spider sequence. Dee, 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 dee. Um, I, I do kind of like it, but there's a freaking weird track on this album. Have you ever listened to Audio Bongo? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, <laughs> where would you, where were they going with this spider sequence? <laughs> I suppose that could have been in the spider sequence, but at the same time, like. Um... It, it, I'll have to say this for the, the entire album, very, very percussion heavy. Like everything mm-hmm. has like crazy bongo drums on it everywhere. Yeah. So, and then, but audio bongo was like, I, I, don't I, know. I, I researched it and it's like, this is like electronic music. I'm like, this is the 60s. It doesn't exist yet. There, there's no German Euro pop. <laughs> it's, well, it's there not is a the, thing yet. <laughs> there is the funky little as the gun barrel is going on. That really doesn't, yeah. musically, that really doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the film. Um, maybe, maybe audio bongos plays, you know, there's not much music before everything blows up in Dr. No's, uh, laboratory, right. I keep calling it a laboratory. It's sort of like a command center, really. There's a, there's nuclear power there. Um, maybe audio bongos is playing while Bond is looking at this going like, holy crap, like this is quite a setup you have here. 
Doctor. I don't know. But they don't have one. Like the volume is not turned up anywhere like on those songs. So it's like even if you had that playing in the background, it would be completely annihilated by any other sounds that are going on there. Well, it turns up. I'll tell you when it turns up. It turns up when Bond, uh, by way of Chang, goes up the little stair and starts turning the knob. Yes. (laughs) Music goes up. Um, (laughs) There's another one that's kind of funny, too. Have you ever listened to The Boy Chase? Why why in the world is it called The Boy Chase? I cannot tell you. Yeah, that's. I was trying um, to kind of place like where that would would fit and everything. I'm like, first of all, why is it called that? Because I don't know. Uh, but it, it's like a super speedy version of uh, Dr. No's fantasy. Yeah. I wonder if that's playing in my bastardized version of this movie. I wonder if that's playing like when everything's blowing up and he's running through the court. It's I guess it's too light, maybe. Where's the girl? Everybody's running away. But there's Jamaican rock, too, that kind of has like that that fast kind of guitar kind of like, I don't know where that plays, if that plays in the movie somewhere, but that was to me like didn't fit. Mm. Like, there's a lot I, you, you could tell, like, Monty Norman said, Okay, Tough well, let's one. get these these local musicians to play and we're gonna give them a chance. We're gonna pay them peanuts because you know, no one cares about this movie. This is this, we don't know where this is going. They, they, they don't know that this is gonna be big. We don't know that it's gonna be big. Let's just hire mm. whoever's local because it's gonna be cheap because they're locals. Mm. We don't have to go out and pay a, a big name. To, to do any music we're just going to hire some local musicians we're going to pay them their time and that's it and i think that's what monty norman's i guess i i, I don't know what the budget was for from his portion of it because i mean if I john barry had to redo everything or or to do another portion of it um i don't know if monty norman just cheaped out and <laughs> just, just said let's just hire these musicians they, they've got a couple of songs we'll we'll throw them on there and and that'll be that or if it was a time constraint and then they, they came back to England and then they said, well, we finally, maybe we have more time to spend a little bit on, on the music. It's kind of those weird things. that's going to be just lost to time that we're never going to know. Do you have any favorites? I mean, earlier you were saying that the, the music in the film itself uh, is, is not as fresh in your mind, but uh, you listen to the soundtrack this week. Are there any tracks, whether they're in the movie or not? irrespective are there any tracks that stand out do you have some favorites it's it's really for me it's it's dr no's fantasy is the one that uh that really stands out the mm. most for me is it's it and it, it's it stood out for me 10 years ago when i when i bought the 50 years of bond um uh cd set because it, it was like this is and then i i kind of i, I listened to the track and i'm like okay well this it sounds like it's it, it's similar to stuff that was in in goldfinger and and it, it doesn't sound like it belongs on Dr. No, but at the same time, like it should, it's, 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 it's a track that, that feels very bond to me. It feels like bond music. It's, it's, it deserves to be there somewhere. Just where would I put it instead mm. of the nothing that's there? It's, 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 it was like, it's, it's made for bond, but it's not made for Dr. No. Sounds like uh, lazy Jamaica music. It's just sort of there in the background at midday when yeah. like, nobody's really in the bar, but it's hot, so you just go there for a beer at a red stripe, and oh, it's Dr. No's Fantasy playing in the background, right? Yeah. But it's like a slow, mellow version. That's pretty or cool. Or if had there been a live band there that could have been like, you know, a, a jazz mm. quartet playing it, it mm. there, could have, there was more potential for its use in the film. Um, so, I mean, it's it's for lack of a, of an actual theme song is there a piece of music from dr no that 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 i i retain it's that song that's not in the movie <laughs> yeah well it was apparently good enough to be on the 50th anniversary album so which sur- surprised me which surprised me but uh, there, there's also underneath the mango tree that's on there too so or <sighs> there's or it's it is it on disc one or is it on disc two? Anyway, there's there's a version of it on 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 one of the discs. There's there's or both songs are on there, which I found strange enough. But and you were saying your your preferred version. I don't want to be presumptuous here, but since the the, the kids know it, uh, yeah. Diana Copeland's version is is your preferred version of Underneath the Mango. Oh, I think I think she she does a a better version of some of the modern takes on it. I think hers is a little oh. more honest and a little more. Um, I don't know. It just, it, to me, it's 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 the one I got used to. That I didn't hear a better version of it. Nice so far. Nice. 
No, that's that, that's pretty good. Do you like her um, Three Blind Mice or Kingston Calypso? Pretty Kingston it's Calypso, it's, it's, it's decent too. And I mean, I guess it does kind of... It, it fits with the movie that I mean. I mean, it's it's um it kind of lays the foundation for the the three killers, the three blind mice. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of makes reference to that without directly naming them the way they did in the books, but um it kind of foreshadows that, and it's the Fleming reference. But I, I think they could have transitioned that song a little bit better mm. in the in the in the soundtrack. It could have had. They could have twisted it a little bit and had like one continuous track, but I mean, it wasn't the it wasn't yeah. what they did back then. No, no. I'm wondering. Actually, you know what? One piece of music in the film that I've never really dug is uh, the the very last few cues uh, at the end of the movie when Bond and Honey are in their little boat. We we get the little British marching music, and I'm I'm cool with that because the British flag is on the little boat. We both Felix Slater's there. Yeah. Um, that plays. I'm cool with that. And then you sort of have this. I never really dug that. I'm wondering if there was something on the like the James Bond theme, not the James Bond theme, but this album's James Bond theme. I wonder if something else could like play. Uh, of that, I never really liked how the movie closed on that. Uh, it's it's kind of a weird because I mean you would expect it to kind of tie in the musical theme from the movie, but there's no musical theme throughout. Like every other movie, kind of has like a musical theme or a melody that kind mm. of returns uh, throughout the film, and this has there, there's nothing that comes back to it because there's no central melody, there's no theme song, everything else kind of brought that together in the other subsequent films but in this one there's there's no there's no mm. unity in the tracks like there's no if you listen to a david arnold soundtrack mm. there, there's 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 it, it's pieced together it feels like it's it belongs together there's there's the they do there. don't they even they even thomas up. newman too i mean some of his stuff i mean that all it all flows together. I'm not a, as big a fan of, uh, of his as I am of, of David Arnold, but his the the album itself comes together because there's an underlying theme and there's recurring melodies and and etc. But in this movie, there's there's nothing holding it together. It's it's like, I, other than I guess the Bond theme and Mango Tree. Um, I mean, the Bond theme does play a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in this movie. In, yeah. in on for occasions that normally wouldn't call for the James Bond thing to be playing. But again, it's right. the first one, so you know But it's like I think they, music, they said let's use it. We paid for this music. This is what we got. Oh, yeah. Let's just put it in there. It sounds good. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounds great. I mean I get it when they play it when Bond introduces himself as Bond James Bond. Yeah. Uh but you know when he arrives at his hotel it's like why what are we doing here? Why is the James Bond why is the James Bond theme playing as he enters the elevator and operates yeah. the lift? It's like what is happening? It's a little strange. It's a little <laughs> odd to, to have that placement a little bit everywhere. But again, I don't think they really had a choice. Yeah, and you know what? The the chapter again, although Berlin Game covers his basis, he says, you know, it's a little confusing, and you hear different versions of the stories. But but a little bit back to one of the point your or earlier points, you know, potentially some people working on the movie important people like Terrence Young and Cuppy Broccoli uh, weren't too keen on some of the material Monty Norman had produced and and Hunt um, is is quoted as you know falling head over heels in love with with Barry's orchestration of, of the Bond theme and mm-hmm. when he edited them um, even though that led to both ironically Monty Norman and John Barry not being too pleased with what was going on when they found when they saw the movie right uh, be that as it may you know Peter Hunt was like this is good s-h-i-t man i'm putting this all over the place <laughs> and he did like frank red hot sauce oh yeah, not a sponsor a... not a sponsor <laughs> no we are not sponsored by anybody although if somebody wants to sponsor us uh, we'll take your money speaking of uh, somebody I've, I've i've gotten a text you got a text i got a weird text i don't usually oh. get text i get phone calls about um, amazon sending me uh, iphones but this time it's a text from Ooh. m white Oh my goodness, grief! Him again? Can't get rid of him. Can't get rid of him. What does no, he want to? Uh, what What does he want this time? I'm sure it's something different from the other three thousand episodes we've done. It's a new season, but it's the same question: Do we have people everywhere? 
Uh, we do have people everywhere, Mr. Wade. Mr. Cormier, wouldn't you agree? I For do instance, agree. www.thejamesbondcomplex.com, which is, I don't know why I keep bringing this up. I, Matt likes saying he's going to work on it. I'll <laughs> say it when I believe it. Bless his heart. Bless your heart, Matt. It's the running gag. Yeah. Uh, Instagram at the James Bond Complex. We're on Facebook. Uh, search for the James Bond Complex. Uh, and if you like seeing our beautiful mugs, YouTube, search for the James Bond Complex. Subscribe and tickle us with the thumbs up button. Uh, but if you're a little bit old school and you're kind of like me and you like radio, um, I can't help you with that. What I can help you are MP3 downloads. Uh, there's anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify. Uh, Balado Diffusion, je sais pas trop quoi, Québec, and my best friends, my BFFs, uh, Amazon. So search for the Amazon, Apple Podcast, excuse me, Apple Podcast. Search for the James Bond Complex, subscribe, write a review, and leave us a five star, gl glowing musical note review. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm somewhere on Twitter, but I, I I don't tweet as much about James Bond as people might think. So there's no point in. <laughs> yeah, uh, same thing for me for 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 Twitter. That's uh, a thing of the uh, of the past for me. But uh, I'm on Instagram in the Intrepid Double Seven. Um, occasional food pics that I don't really post that much on the mm, personal anymore. Yummy. We have a foodie in the house. Oh my god! I have. I still have to uh, get the new uh, dining with Bond oh, yeah. book. Double right. dining. Oh, you didn't buy that yet? Oh, okay, okay. No, no. Interesting. I, interesting. I've, I've cheaped out on that. I've got uh, anyway. Um, that'll be for <laughs> another episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Sur ce, toujours un plaisir. Merci et à la prochaine. Ciao, belli. Domorigato. Hasta la prossima pacca. Ciao, belli. I gotta learn some new languages. Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me make bulu loop soon. Underneath the moonlit sky, me honey and I come sit hand in hand. Underneath the moonlit sky, me honey and I come make fairy land. Mango, banana and tangerine Sugar and aki and cocoa bean When we get married we make them grow And nine little child in a row Underneath the mango tree Me honey and me come watch for the moon Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me, we plan marry soon.